What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. Hello, how are you today? A very special guest this week, we have Jason Allen. Jason is a comedian from London, Ontario, Canada. He performs out of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada now. He uh, travels the world as a comedian, and he has a new special coming out April 1st on Spotify and all platforms uh, available for you guys to check out. He's a great dude. He's a he is a recovering addict who is now doing comedy, and he is crushing it. Uh, we were just talking about how he, he's got a trip to go do stuff uh, in Alberta, uh, in the UK, and all these amazing things. And uh, he started doing comedy later in life, around 26, and now he's been doing it for nine years, and he's he's just doing the damn thing. He's so cool. He's such a nice dude, and I really appreciate him giving me the time of the day to uh, have him on the podcast. So, Let's get to it. Let's do, get to the conversation with Mr. Jason Allen. Are you outside right now? You have like a heavenly glow around your head. Are you an angel? Uh, it's so lighting in the, uh, my office. It's just weird. <laughs> Are you God? Are you Jesus? Well, I know that. Yeah. We did it. Back when you did a podcast. <laughs> yeah, and tell really <laughs> dirty jokes. <laughs> That's right. What's up, brother? How are things? I'm good, man. I'm real good. How you doing? Good, man. Just uh, trying to do the comedy thing, trying to work, trying to get by. Yeah, yeah I hear ya. But oh, you. Yeah. Go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. <laughs> ask how long you've been doing this. Uh, I started this last year just as the first, like, or second or third wave was in. I don't know. <laughs> one of the waves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I started this in May of last year, actually. So almost a year coming up now, um, which is insane to think. I've talked yeah. to so many cool people. So, but it's, uh, I, it's one of my favorite, favorite things to do is talking to interesting folks from all the various backgrounds. Like I've had like, I've had acupuncturists on, chiropractors, wrestlers, comedians, DJs, rappers. Uh, like, <laughs> it's insane. Nice, nice. I know you're like huge into wrestling. Is there like a big independent circuit in London now or? There is not, but I know in Hamilton there is for sure. Yeah, I've seen like, like I don't follow it really, but I've seen like posters around town for like. Have you, have you ever been to a show? Independent wrestling events, yes, absolutely, and like the WWF when I was a kid and stuff like that. I've been to like Coliseum in Hamilton and watched an event, and yeah, it's pretty exciting. For people that don't know, can you maybe describe the uh, the difference between a WWE event and an independent event? Because I mean, to me, I think you get more value for your ticket if you go to like one of these indie shows. Oh yeah, like I was way closer. Also. That the indie show that I went to, there was wrestlers that used to be in the WWE that are just like a bit older now. Like I saw the Bushwhackers and Hacksaw Jim Duggan like at <laughs> an independent show. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You'll see like bigger names. So you could, it's like you have the potential of seeing bigger names still. Yeah, I'd say it's a way more intimate experience. Kind of like, you know, like a comedy show. If you go to a club, you're actually way more connected to the comic than if you go to like an arena to see like a Jerry Seinfeld or something like that. Right. So 
And I mean, I think that's a perfect segue into the fact that you fucking have a comedy special coming out April 1st, man. Fucking congratulations. That's so fucking badass. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be my uh, second album. My first full-length album. I did an EP before. It's been a half an hour. And this is a full headlining set. And I'm really excited about it. So so take me through, uh, like, so how, like, so how long have you been doing comedy? Because you started off when you were, you started later in life, right? A little later. Like, I was 27 when I started. So, yeah, not a young man by any means. But uh, I've been at it nine years now. I'm 36 now. I just hit the nine-year mark. So let me ask you this though, because I, because I, I, when talking to other artists, I'm always like, I'm always trying to figure out how they found their worth or how they found uh, when they knew they reached that next step. So like, you, you started when you were 26, and then you did your EP, you did all the indie circuit, you did the EP, and now you got this hour-long special. Like, how, what was your path like to get to this point? Like, just in, like, building the material and stuff? Yeah, because, I mean, like, I mean, how do you know you're ready to do 60 minutes, right? Because, like, I've, I, have this, I have this idea about Canadian uh, comedy where it's, like, you always have to wait to be told that you're ready, right? Were you told that you're ready to do it? Or were you like, oh, fuck it, I think I'm ready. And or did you do it independently? Yeah, no, I kind of, like, the first one I did through comedy records, um they didn't record it for me. Like I sent it to them and then they liked it and they kind of like, they put their name on it and it got put out there through their platform. But with this one, I just felt like I've been, I've been doing that act for a bit. I was kind of getting sick of it anyways. Cause like I was doing it and then there'd be like lockdowns and then reopenings. And like, I'd be doing it for like, rooms that are like half full or like social distance or whatever and i was like even in these rooms it's working so when it like when we get the full capacity again i just want to record it and then be done with it you know what i mean so but i guess i knew i was ready because it's just like it'd been working so consistently and also i knew i was ready to record it because i was getting tired of it so i was ready to like put it out there for other people and then like leave it behind and start working on another, you know, another act. And so like, like, I know you've been doing like, uh, like you're from London, but you uh, primarily work in Hamilton with comedy. I know you've done some stuff in the States. So was, were the, was the material that you're doing here in Canada, like the same material you're doing in the States and was it working over the, across the border as well? A lot of it can stay the same like there, there might be a few differences and i'm lucky because i have some friends in the states and then also my older sister lives in the states so like i'll call her sometimes and be like do americans know who the sheep dogs are and she's like like the animal i'm like no forget it and then i know not to do like i have a joke about the sheep dogs and i know not to do it over there or i'm like do you know what a SID number is? She's like, like that card you put in your phone. I'm like, no, like a social insurance number. She goes, no, we call it a social security number. I'm like, so it's like small little references uh, that you might have to change for like, for like what I do anyways. Um, but yeah, it's simple stuff like that for me. Like I'd say generally my stuff is like me talking about my life or like being married or being like an adult who is like kind of a man child. So I feel like people can like relate to that no matter where I go throughout North America. 
So yeah, because like no one wants to really grow up, right? <laughs> and so yeah, of course they don't really want to grow up. So. I think that's the beauty about being part of the comedy community is you don't really ever have to truly grow up because you want to, you know, keep that kind of ridiculousness inside of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think people can relate to that and they like that. So, so you started when you were twenty six, and I read the bio where like you, um, you were encouraged by fellow members in your AA team to do comedy. Yeah, like 12 step programs, like, yeah, like AA and NA, just Narcotics Anonymous. So, like, you were making people laugh in these very serious rooms just when you're storytelling. Is that like, it's not always as serious as you think. Like, obviously, like, meetings should be taken seriously and you don't always need to goof around, but there's definitely like times like people share and they're just, sharing and, and they say something that people can relate to and people will laugh sometimes and nobody gets like in trouble for that or like for lack of a better term like it's not always this like dark depressing thing sometimes like there are just stories you can share about like coming through stuff and people laugh and can laugh now because they're on the other side of their addiction and they're like working on it now right so I wouldn't say it's always like super serious or super intense. Like some of the funniest or like kindest people I've ever met are like in those rooms. So it's it always like, I mean, I don't want to, well, I do want to get into it a little bit, but like, I mean, when did you know that you had to go to those meetings? Um, yeah, pretty early on. Like, I guess like I, I, uh, I had a pretty serious overdose and that was kind of like the first sign. I think I was like 20 when I first OD'd and, um, you know, kind of like was like kind of encouraged by family to, uh, to look into rehab and kind of like uh, that, that initially got me into that world. Cause you have to go through like a, a detox center before you go to rehab and the detox center um, there, there was like a mandatory uh, 12 step, meetings so I kind of met people at those meetings and then even when I left rehab I would go to meetings and you kind of like that's how you make those connections right so I guess that's kind of what got me into that world this might sound like a very offensive question but uh, you're the first person I know who's not like what what is an OD like because you know you see it all the time on like tv films and stuff like I don't know if they ever truly capture it but like I'd be interested to see if, like you've ever seen it captured correctly on a on film or anything um i guess it it varies from like drug to drug or person to person i assume but like a lot of it is like stuff that like me acting very strangely and not remembering i i happen to be with other people who who realized i was going through something and instead of just like uh being paranoid or like leaving me somewhere they actually uh they did something and they called an ambulance and like stuff like that right so um i don't remember too much it was more just like people telling me after like oh this you were acting this way or like being it's weird. like you gave a clue you're trying to put the pieces together sort of thing it's very like yeah I, I guess the world is jason's mind <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like a blackout right like if you have ever blacked out drunk and then you find out like Oh yeah, well we were here getting pizza, but then he threw a slice at me, and you ran down the. Sh- 
and you don't remember any of it and people are telling you and you're kind of putting it together that's kind of like what the overdose was like for me anyways so so like were you like were you always a fan of comedy before before you got into comedy and like being in a and having that kind of like positive reinforcement that helped you to get into it like kind of take me along that history that was just it it was just like i just like even when i was young i always liked comedy or like watched it on tv or like would watch like the just for laughs clips or like i always loved you know seinfeld or even like even late night shows when they do the monologue and stuff like that i always loved stuff like that when i was younger um so i was always a big fan of stand-up um I had some struggles throughout my life where like I didn't get into it when I was younger. Cause obviously I was dealing with other stuff through addiction and things like that. Um, so and yeah, once I heard for like the sixties or seventies or eighties comedy scene, but <laughs> you would have been perfect for like the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been better, but yeah, we don't tolerate that anymore. Really. So like that kind of partying uh, behavior or whatever, but um no, no, no. So it was just like, I think comedy's like, it can be tough, not in the sense of like, it's way better than having a regular day job, but it can be tough in the sense that like, you do have to put a lot of your time and energy into it. So uh, I'm very fortunate to be in a place now where I just like have time and energy and I'm not putting that poison in my body and it's like something I can actually focus on you know what I mean so it was good for me to find recovery before I started like uh toying with the idea of trying stand up myself do you uh, do you think that like your sobriety has helped you because I, I think it's like you always hear these stories like of like uh, comedians when they like before and after they were sober and like sometimes they're not as funny or sometimes they're funnier um are you kind of glad you didn't get to kind of have to have those two parallels yeah I'm I'm glad personally I've seen a lot of comics and I don't I don't know for me personally like, I've seen a lot of comics they uh they 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 party like a rock star kind of before they got the success you know what I mean and then it hurts them and ends up holding them back so no, I'm really happy that like I was able to focus on like I that I got that out of the way early on in my life and now I can just focus on like the actual craft and pumping out new work and stuff like that. As far as famous comedians getting sober and maybe they're not as funny anymore. I don't know if that's so much about the they're not doing drugs and alcohol anymore. I think that if you live like a rich, pampered lifestyle, you can kind of lose your edge as to what's funny and what's relatable. Um, lucky for me, I don't have that problem. I am yeah, not. Yeah, don't, don't, let's so. not don't jinx us. Maybe yet. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, I've I've met you a few times. We've had you come to Fork River. Uh, you're in London, or you you're from London. Like, you did you start comedy in London, or did you go to yeah. Hampton or there? Okay, so like, I started in London. Did uh, was moving to London like? A decision you made because you need to be closer to GTA, closer to that com where comedy really yeah. is. It was just like I love the city of London. And honestly, I would have stayed in London if it was closer to stuff, but it's just so far away. Like, and then like London's like in between like Windsor and Toronto or the other two like kind of major cities around London. 
And Windsor did have like a pretty good comedy scene for a bit when I started in London. So I traveled there. I traveled to the Toronto sometimes and do the rooms I could in London. And even now, like Windsor's lost their comedy club. There's not much there. London's lost their comedy club recently or is losing yuck yucks at the end of this month. So um, yeah, for me, it kind of made sense just to like, live in Hamilton, you're close to Niagara, Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo, Toronto, uh, the Buffalo, like, you know, the New York borders right there. It's just, it's pretty easy to travel and you have to travel a lot for comedy. So uh, I always love coming back to London and still performing though. So yeah, your release party is what next week? Thursday? Yeah, April 21st. Okay, so that one comes, and then... I'm, like, I'm, I'm on the road for a bit. It would have been sooner, but I'm literally, like, I leave for Ottawa on Tuesday. I'm gone for about a week. I come home. I'm home for a day, and then I fly out to Calgary, Alberta. I'm in Alberta and BC on a little run for, like, two weeks straight, so... Dude, that's incredible. That's so cool to see you being able to, like, get cool. the success and travel for it. I mean... For sure. The Fine. road experience, the road stories you're going to get from it, it's going to be incredible. I can't wait for you. Yeah, it's it's super fun to be able to do that. And I just, like, I was telling somebody the other day, it's it's cool in comedy because it's, like, I have, like, friends all over North America now. Like, I just, like, have these people that I can just connect with in uh, city to city, province to province, or even, like, and sometimes even in the States and stuff. I have friends in, like... Detroit and Oregon and like Idaho and like just like all these different places, even in the States now too. Um, but yeah, I would have, I would have loved to have done the party a little sooner, but I, at the same time, this gives me a bit more time to promote it and kind of like get people out to check out my stuff. So let's talk about, so like early beginnings, I mean, you're a recovering addict, you're getting the comedy and you're probably talking about that as a form of therapy on stage. I have to imagine in London, particularly uh, knowing the scene, some of the material that you might have come up with was like, oh, I, should we laugh? I don't, is, is it okay? To laugh? <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, that always happens. We like, anytime you're, you're talking about something a bit more difficult, right? Even if it does pertain to you, uh, people can be like a little worried sometimes um i find you just keep working on it tweaking it or sometimes you you start with other jokes that are kind of more comfortable with you you know what I mean? like sometimes guys will just like though or comics in general will just come up and they'll do like a huge overshare off the top but it's like this is the audience's first introduction to you you can't just jump it's not always like you'd be you'd be freaked out if i came up to you we, we'd never met before and I was like, hi, I'm a recovering drug addict. I'd be like, what the fuck? I just, <laughs> I'm just meeting you. Like, this is a weird approach. And then guys will, comics will do that on stage sometimes and be like shocked that the audience wasn't immediately on board. Where I'm like, hey, maybe let's let's keep it light for a couple <laughs> minutes. Like, if you're doing a longer set, you can Pretend get it's it. Pretend it's a date, guys. Pretend you want them to like you at first, okay? Yeah, exactly. Like you're winning them over a little bit, right? Yeah. So, and so, like when you when you first started performing, like, what was that transition into becoming the comedian you are now? Because 
like people always think that they're funny and then they go up on stage or they have a chance to go up on stage and they eat shit and they never want to do it again so like being that mindset and being a recovering addict i mean like were you like i have to do this i have to push forward or really just kind of like no this is fun for me right now um like luckily for me i don't know like actually luckily keeping the right word but i was really like talented great to begin with fuck you man <laughs> really nervous. I was, yeah i was kind of like really nervous so i wrote for a long like a long time before i even hit a stage and i would literally like i worked at a detox center in london and i would literally test my like little jokes out on people that were at the detox center and i was like if i can make these guys laugh who are like withdrawing off like drugs and alcohol then i should be able to make complete strangers lab that are out to have a good time right so i've been working on these jokes for a while and i wanted to work on them for a full year before i even hit a stage i was telling my friend some of my jokes my buddy luke and uh, he kind of went behind my back and signed me up for this show and then messaged me and was like look man you're gonna don't kill me, but I signed you up for this show. He's like, you got it. You're really funny. You'll be able to do it. So then I was like, oh, fuck, Luke. Man, why are you doing this to me? But at the same time, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do it. And I was preparing for this set, which they were going to give me way too much time, too. It was like my first set. It was this guy, Andy Pomeranski, who was still around, um, on and off anyways. But he was going to give me like 10 to 12 minutes. which Jesus been Christ, like, <laughs> for the first time. For me. Uh, it was at this bar show called Fatty Patties. Um, luckily for me, the show ended up getting canceled, but Andy was like, look, there's this amateur contest at the Roxbury, um, through these guys, they call themselves the offenders of comedy. They were like a collective of four comics who ran this show there. And he's like, it's like an amateur contest. You throw in two bucks, you can enter the contest if you win. You get all the comics money who pitched in and the bar matches that cash. And, uh, and luckily those sets were only five minutes long. And I went up, it was my first time I got called up first and I ended up winning first place in the contest. So the first time I ever did stand up, I won like $70 and got like a t-shirt and they gave me like this plastic TR. They made like this big like thing about it every month. Uh, for whoever won the contest or every week or whatever it was. And uh, when guys saw me win that contest in the scene, it kind of opened up doors to more shows and it just kind of started rolling from there. And like, it's just been a constant evolution uh, performing. Like, take me back to like the first time you got to do a Yuck Yuck stage. Like, like what was like the best, like you're making, you're doing moments, you're doing all these shows, like, Take me to that moment where, like, you know, someone's like, hey, do you want to do yuck yucks or do you want to do so? Like, that big, like, oh shit, this is actually maybe something I can do. Like, that that big confidence. Right. Um, my first club was actually like, like, I had done maybe some yuck yucks amateur nights at in uh, the, the London club and stuff like that. Um, my first, like, regular comedy club that I started working for was this club called Showtime. And, uh, and I came in there and there was like, uh, it was, a, they were new. It was this guy, David Green, who was helped booking the amateur night. Oh, who I knew yeah, from like, it was great. 
<laughs> he's super David nice. Arthur, and I knew him from doing bar shows and stuff. And I remember he reached out to me. He's like, look, they're doing this amateur contest. Uh, if you win, you could get guest spots on the weekend and stuff like that. And I went and I did um, the contest and I had like a good set. I felt good about it. And then I was talking to the owners, Matt and Mark, who were there. And I was like, I'd, I'd love to come back if you had me. Because they were like, oh, we, yeah, we liked your set. Good stuff. And I'm like, I, I definitely love to um, come and do a guest spot. And they're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I ended up winning the night anyway. So they're like, well, we definitely owe you that guest spot. Uh come back let us know when you can come back and i did a guest spot over that weekend and it went really well and then they were like do you have 15 to 20 minutes and luckily i did because i had just been in london or like other rooms for so long or kind of like in the bar show circuit before i ever hit a club so by the time i did hit a club i already had like a little bit of a chunk of time and then i started uh middling at at showtime in St. Catharines. And then that like opened up doors to other clubs eventually. And it's gotten my foot into uh, some other places. Um, I've done some work with Yuck Yucks, but I've never been like uh, officially signed roster comic with Yuck Yucks, which is fine by me. Cause I've, I've built so many relationships with independent clubs at this point. It's not something I really feel like I need to do. So but people just have different paths that way too, right? Some guys are new, they get in. Uh, Mark Breslin of Yuck Yucks really likes them. They start working for him right away. And that's how they they kind of build the career. Um, I had a bit of a different path, but I've definitely worked some of Mark's clubs and they're very nice and it's very cool uh, to do any club, really. Yeah. Uh, but my path was always a bit more of the independent circuit. I think that's probably, in my opinion, probably one of the coolest things to do is do that independent route because you get to see a lot more and a lot more, I want to say more yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Like, dangerous in the sense that, you know, you're not going to have the same crowd over and over, different environments, that sort of thing. And fun, uh, David Green was the first guy that I ever did a show with. Like, uh, he was doing an amateur night in St. Catharines and my buddy's like, hey, do you want to do five minutes? I'm like, sure. And I, I, was re I was drunk and I was like, sure. And I actually did pretty well. And I was like, Oh, this actually kind of sounds fucking cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, Dave, uh, Dave uh, thank you. You're you're a gem of a man. Oh yeah, I know. He helped us both. He's a good guy for sure. Now, so like you're you got this special coming out. Um, like, tell how much work was that to kind of like when did you know you wanted to do it? How much work came into it? Like, were you nervous at all? Were you were like were you like were you so before like I just want to get it out so I could start on new stuff sort of thing. Uh, part of yeah, a part of it is just like I'm just happy to, to be done with it because uh, this last two years, as like you know and everybody knows, has been very frustrating. With like the like, are we open? Are we closed? Are we like just like and the uncertainty of everything? So I'm happy that this just to, to feel like I'm accomplishing something or again or like I have accomplished something again is uh just a great feeling as far as like i've never really sat down and been like now i am going to write an album you know what i mean i just make it a priority to always be working on jokes and always be trying to do better and then an album just kind of like forms over time and that's the approach i have it i don't think i'd ever sit down and be like 
by next by October of 2023, you better have a new album ready to go out. Like I don't think about stuff like that or set deadlines for myself. I'm just gonna make a point of continuing to write every day and hit rooms and do mics and do everything I have to do to, to always be bettering myself as a comic. And I'm sure the album will just form over time. Do you, That's uh, just how I think about do it. you have like a, do you have a pregame ritual or a postgame ritual for a good, bad or a, a good, bad set sort of thing? Um, if I have a bad set, the ritual is always to just leave as soon as I can. <laughs> That's a ritual. I just want to get out of there. Um, a good set, you know, like it's nice to hang around. You talk, you feel good. Um, there's a way to act. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to act like you've been there before. There needs to be some kind of like you know, some some class to your kill or whatever else I would say. I remember like pro comics saying that to me. Not that I've ever been like a guy that's like jumping up and down, high-fiving people if I had a good set. I'm just saying that it's just like I've seen guys that act like almost like a little immature or a little too like arrogant after having a good set. I think the best thing to do is just like, instead of going around telling everybody you killed it, just know that like, Killing it is supposed to be your job. That's what you're supposed to be doing every night anyway. So I don't, I don't see the point in bragging about it or making a big celebration of it. Like, I'm, I'm happy when things go well, of course. But at the same time, I don't, I don't act like I've blown my own mind. That's, that's the job. You're supposed to make people laugh. Now, have you, have you ever had a moment where, like, you... I, I, I don't, I'm not saying you have, but I'm saying that I know sometimes, you know, you're not always in the right mood to perform, but you have to perform. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll some of that sort of a uh, roadblock, if you have that. Um, for me, I find a lot of it is just like, I can turn it on. I don't know what it is, if it's stage strength or energy or what, but if I'm in front of people, I can kind of turn it on. Um which is good i think like i think that like if if you're excited about comedy you'll kind of get that stage strength from like seeing people looking back at you and stuff like that and, and be ready to kind of like put on a show the way you're supposed to and again like you know um comedy's like it's it's my career at this point and it's an it's an awesome career but it's still it's still a job sometimes right i can't be like you know what I mean? It's a, it's a very fun job and I love it, but it's like, you know, I, you show up to work at a regular job sometimes and maybe you don't feel up to it, but you still do it and you still do the right things. And you're still not an asshole to your boss when you see him in the morning or like whatever else, <laughs> or like depending on what kind of relationship you have, I guess. But I'm just saying, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm there to work. If it's a small turnout, it's it's not, you know, I still have to act professional. I shouldn't take that out on audience members that are there. I need to come with as much energy as I can. If you're a little tired, give yourself some time and grab a coffee before the show. Figure it out. Get into it. You know what I mean? So if you have a show to put on. so And so being that you are a professional and like you don't have to worry about a nine to five job going on like 
how fun is that? <laughs> it's it's fun, but at the same time, it's a lot of sitting around too. Sometimes I think it's nice when I travel. You know what I mean? It's nice that like I'll be able to travel and I don't have to like beg my boss like, oh, well, can I have a couple weeks off so I can go on this run to Alberta? I just get to go, and as long as I can like, you know, and I. I explained it to my wife and she's like, no, of course. Thanks for letting me know and go have fun and be safe and, you know, come back, you know what I mean, with money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then I hit the road. Right. So, uh, but, but no, there are, there are times too, where I'm like, I want to like message a buddy and be like, what are you up to? And he's like, I'm at work. And I'm like, oh yeah, not everybody is like me. So a lot of it is just like me, like sitting around Dude, and just and waiting for like shows to start at night so I can socialize with people. That was probably like the worst part about be working on cruise ships for like eight years is like, I'd come home like, Hey man, what's going on? Do you want to do something? And I was like, Dude, it's Thursday. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have to do anything. Yeah, but I'm off and I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> please play so with me. I'm going to do something. Uh, please play. That's it. That's exactly it. That's so funny. Now, I know that uh, I've seen some of your Instagram stuff or maybe it was Facebook, but like uh, you've gotten into like powerlifting, correct? Like you're like, those, yeah, I like, I like, I like how you're showing off the guns right now because you're looking yoked as fuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so, has, uh, that, has that helped you with your comments? pounds just to your arms i heard so sorry the room adds 10 pounds just to your arms i heard yeah. so so it has has working out helped you with your comedy in terms of keeping a focused mind keeping like you know uh clean not clean body but like you know being if you're more in shape you're more inclined to think clearly that sort of thing yeah i would say that like yeah i just have more energy i'm getting better sleep at night i also quit smoking over the pandemic so like i feel like i'm speaking more clearly on stage i'm catching more of the show because i don't feel like inclined to have to run outside and have a smoke or like whatever else so um i would say in some way sure that i uh they're like working out or just being in shape is just going to help you in your overall life, right? So, and again, like I just feel like I have more energy now and I'm in a good uh, state of mind. So, yeah, I'd say it did help. And when did you start working out? Like, is this just like been a, a new it thing? A, it was a pandemic thing. Like, I literally, I that was another huge thing about the working out was that I literally did it to, to save myself from having a mental breakdown because I, I love being busy. And, uh, and these last two years have been really hard on me for that. Uh, I love being busy. I love socializing and, and to have those things kind of taken away, especially like when I felt like my career was starting to like get some momentum. Uh, I was very lucky to have a good friend who's also in comedy, Doug Coning, who happened to be into weightlifting and I kind of jumped on board with him and uh, started doing that. It helped me out so much. Do you have a do you have a personal uh, uh, deadlift goal uh, that you've hit everything like that? Like, what's your what's your max? Or it always goes up, right? Because it was like I was like, oh, I'd love to do four plates, and that's like twice my body weight, right? Like four hundred and five pounds. I'm like, that would be awesome. And then you do that, and then you're like, well, now I want to hit five plates, or I want to be able to deadlift five hundred pounds, or I want to be able, you know what I mean? So 
you say like, I'll be happy once I get this. And then you get that. And then you're like, no, I, I you know what? I'd be happy if I got this other thing, actually. So it always changes. Have, Again, you, have, kind of like, <laughs> have you noticed the wife staring at you a little bit differently since your body has changed? She's like, why were you not in the shape when you first started? What is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. No, she's very honest about like, uh, yeah, it's like you really find out like how people used to think about how you looked once you get in shape. Because now she's like, oh, you used to have the flattest ass. So you were so bony before and stuff like that. I'm like, you never would say that stuff to me when I looked like that. But now that I look completely different, now it's like it's all coming out, all that honesty, right? So <laughs> it's, just, it's not like it's meant like, to, it's, no, it's I go, be like, a, it's not, I mean, it's a compliment, but is it? <laughs> is it? Yeah, that's the thing. That's funny. Yeah, that's how it is. It's like, okay. So you were grossed out by me before, or what? <laughs> you married me. <laughs> In the scrawny body. So yeah, she could have been that grossed out, I guess. I know I know. my wife is like, every time I start to lose weight or worry about more, she gets mad at me because like, I'm, I'm, I'm losing weight and she's like, not. It's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a weird thing to talk about. Right, right. <laughs> but it's, it's weird how people change. Like when you when you look one way and then you change your body, whether it be through not drinking it, and then it's like the different reactions, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's all it is. And different different people's bodies just like change at different times too, right? So like my wife already went through like a major body change where she decided to lose some weight before our wedding because she just wanted to do that for herself and she did so she kind of went through that change and now the pandemic has brought me through my change you know what i mean so she's getting smaller and i'm getting bigger and i don't know and we look more and more odd the more <laughs> we stand beside each other you're one hot ass couple. We'll say that. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're trying to get there. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, with like, I'm married. I'm start. I'm still new to the comedy scene. You're married, and you're you're doing the damn thing. How is how important is it to have that supportive uh, person in your life to say, hey, yeah, no, that's okay to go away for Alberta or some of that. Like, has she yeah. been? very supportive or have there been moments of strife throughout the relationship with comedy in relationships there's always going to be some times where it's like you know you want to spend time together and sometimes like work gets in the way and life gets in the way and um it's to say that there's never been arguments about how busy i've been would be untrue but at the same time it's like you kind of you kind of make those compromises as you go and figure out and sometimes she's like I'd come home and I'd complain about some mic that like has zero people attending it. And like, I, it always makes me mad after I've left it. And she's like, well, why are you leaving when you could be hanging out with me to do this mic that makes you miserable anyways? And I'm like, okay, that's fair. There's certain ones that I could just not do to make time for you. And then also, like, she'll come on the road with me sometimes. Like, she likes to travel. We went out to the East Coast together for, like, a month. Uh, we're going to the UK together in May for, like, two weeks. And I'm going to do some shows out there, too. And then we're spending a week in, like, Alberta and BC. And we're going to run around in May, too. So it's like, um, 
as much as sometimes I am gone from her and I like, I miss her and I'll call her every night and like, we'll, we'll make it work. There are other times where she's definitely got to travel a lot more because of my career and got to like check out different parts of the country too. Right. So it's like, it's all a balance really, I'd say. So like you just said so many cool things all at once. Like, do you ever kind of just like, knock on wood or are you knocking on wood all the time because like you're very like this such seems like such a a wonderful fortunate life that you have right now it's it's very cool it's definitely like it's something that i gotta remember because again like sometimes i think you can get caught up in the moment of your career like being hungry and be like well why don't i have this yet or why don't i have that and i gotta remember like no i am actually doing a lot of cool shit and just like appreciate it you know what I mean and kind of like be in those moments I'm, I'm just glad that like things are rolling again and yeah it is very cool to think that like you know I, I, I travel the world sometimes now and I take my wife on vacation with me and we like you know what I mean it is very cool to like when you really think about that stuff and and how much traveling I'm going to do in the next few months even uh, so no, it is important to like, uh, to remember that and kind of be grateful for like where I'm at now in my life for sure. Yeah, man. You got to stop and smell the roses every once in a while. You know? yeah, yeah. You got to appreciate stuff. And so like from your, like, what would, what do you say? What would you say is like probably the most difficult thing about being a comedian, whether it be not the, not so much the road, but I mean like doing the like find the bits that work sort of thing because like for me personally like i'm still struggling to find out how to do that five minutes right because you don't like with the open mics that we have in london i don't want to be the guy that's saying the same joke over and over and over and over and over and over again right so like if you had to like pinpoint like us like the hardest part about comedy do you have anything like that I think, yeah, for sure, sometimes slushing out material can be really hard. Uh, honestly, like, part, part of it, even with just, like, grinding material and, like, knowing what's going to work or adding stuff to your set, uh, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of, like, because uh, maybe I have, like, one new joke that I'm adding to something that's old, so it might not make sense to go to the same room that has the same regulars all the time and do a majority of a joke they've already heard a bunch of times just for the new tags. So I find myself like always trying to find new different rooms that are going to have audiences. And again, just trying to like get out, even, even though gas is brutal right now, you have to make those sacrifices sometimes for the craft and, you know, musicians have to buy music equipment. Artists have to buy paints and canvases and stuff like that. So comedians like, if the only thing you have to pay for is like pens, notebooks and gas, then like you kind of got to suck it up and do that in order to like flush out the material and make it work. But that, yeah, that can be a tough thing sometimes for sure. Now we talked about a little bit of bad. What's your favorite part of the comedy? <laughs> I, I'd say like, yeah, just like the, all the different people I've gotten to meet and the interactions I have, or I love it. Like, 
if I do a joke about something and then after people are like, oh man, something like that happened to me. And they're kind of like relating and like building those relationships with people, stuff like that is always super cool. And also I just like, I feel good when people laugh. It makes me feel good. Whether like if somebody is like laughing and you see them genuinely enjoying themselves that like some of your thoughts and ideas that I don't know, that leaves me with a really good feeling. I just like stuff like that. When you were younger, were you always like trying to get people to laugh? Is it, was that one of your go-to like was, social interactions? I was like a little bit silly. I wouldn't say like outrageous or over the top, like class clown or anything like that, but definitely like my group of friends, I always tried to crack my buddies up or like make my brother laugh and like, like that for sure. And then now you just transition into a career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah. I remember getting in trouble sometimes for like making everything a joke. And now it's what I do for a living. So I remember one time I got in trouble in public school for dancing with one of those mannequins where all the guts come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's funny. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got in trouble and really? I was like, I'm literally, I'm literally dancing with a mannequin. How is this a bad thing? But, no, it's a fun thing, but yeah, yeah, you're in school and you're supposed to take it serious and all that, like, adult bullshit they throw at kids way too young, right? So <laughs> is, that, is that part of the reason why, like, you think people are so uh, gravitate, like, we know comedians, your, yourself, myself, like, gravitate toward comedy because, like, you know, it is a business, but it's also a business that you can truly be yourself and have fun with, you know? Yeah, I think for me, for sure, because I always like had trouble conforming uh, in school or even at work sometimes. So I definitely feel like for me, the fact that like uh, my comedy very much gives me creative control. Like I've never had a comedy club owner really go up to me and tell me much of like how I should be doing my act. Like sometimes you'll do a corporate gig and there might be like, hey you gotta take it easy on the swearing or like not a bunch of sex stuff and and you adjust or whatever else but for the most part I kind of have like you know free reign over what I want to do uh creatively and that is something that like I think uh is a huge benefit to me especially since I was one of those kids who never wanted to uh conform to all the rules in school and stuff like that yeah no, I percent agree. Um, now I noticed that you got some tattoos on you. Um, oh, when, when, when did you uh, when did you start getting uh, inked up and stuff? I think I got my first one when I was eighteen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they I'm just slowly been adding on. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised they're not connecting. They're just like in those spots all around your arms. And it's very random. I like yeah, just like a lot of flash art and stuff like that. But that's the kind of stuff I like. Um, eventually the plan is to fill the arms, but it was, it will just be with a bunch of random stuff, more or less. I already have like a bunch of like pictures in my phone of stuff I want to get tattooed on me. It's just finding the time and, you know, putting aside that money. And like, well, we got this trip coming up to the UK, so it might have to wait till after that too. Yeah, so I mean, like, I imagine like being nailed, you probably have like a specific artist that you go to. You don't want to have someone on the road doing it. No, no, I, like, I, 
I've gotten some tattoos on the road that, that turned out very good or whatever else, but there is a guy that I, I very much like right now in Hamilton, and I'll probably just stick with him. Uh, probably not going to come back with any tattoos from Alberta and things like that. Oh, hey, so. man, if you're in Dublin, why not? I mean, get a little Guinness or something. Yeah, yeah. Know, maybe not Guinness, but like a harp or something. Yeah, to commemorate the trip, maybe get one in like, yeah in dublin or uh because i am going to be in dublin and also london so yeah maybe actually i'll talk to the wife about that Dude, dublin's a beautiful city you're gonna love it it's so cool yeah i've heard i'm really excited i'm really excited for the trip so are you into comic books or anything like that am i into comic books i used yeah. to be a little more when i was younger but i wouldn't say it's something Oh, yeah, because I was going to say, there's this great comic book shop in Dublin I was going to tell you about, but if you're not into <laughs> it. I would check it out just to check it out while we're there, you know what I mean? I think you might be too busy doing it, but the one thing I have to say, if you're going to be in Dublin, is um, you, I don't know, you're in, you're in Dublin, you're not in Northern Ireland, shit. The, the Guinness Distillery, you have to check it out, it's very cool, if you're going to be in Dublin. Yeah, yeah I've heard. That's I've good heard. Tour. But if you're going to be in yeah. Belfast, like, take the trip to giants giants causeway in northern ireland that's a beautiful beautiful area okay yeah i want to go to uh i want to go to scotland too and i want Bro, to edinburgh have you uh, so like as a traveling comedian as someone who has a, is that something that's on your radar maybe doing an edinburgh show i totally do that i i think next year i'm going to try to go to australia though i want to see about the melbourne comedy festival um but yeah, no, Edinburgh would be super cool too. Um, I mostly want to go to Scotland more for the lifting stuff. I want to do like the Highland Games and like the log pots and stuff like that. Um, if they have anything like that available that you can just try out. But uh, no, Edinburgh, I've only heard like amazing things and it would be great to get into something like that, of course. I think as, as someone who's new to the game, like I look at stuff like Edinburgh or like uh, any sort of fringe festival, like even Toronto, you know, like, like everyone, some people talk about just for last, but I'm like, I love the idea of like these big festivals with like so many different arts going on. It just sounds like yeah. such a great time. No, I think stuff like that would be really cool to try. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to lift a, or what is this scotch? They do the, the thing with the, the big wood piece of wood. And they float up. The yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to flip it. That's what I want to try. Well, you should come down to King Card and take part in the Scottish games there. Brother, congratulations so much on all your success. Uh, your special comes on out on April 1st on Spotify. Uh, where are you on social media? So if you want to get a hold of you. Oh, yeah. You can find me at Jason A. Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. And Jason Allen on Facebook, of course. And the special comes out like for like midnight, April first, or yeah, April first. Uh, all platforms: Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And what's Apple, it called? Stuff. Uh, it's called Known Alias. Nice. Yeah. What's what's behind the name? <laughs> um, it's like part of a joke that I do on the album, so you have okay. to listen. A nice little tease there for you. Okay. Yeah, there you all go. right, Jason. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your, appreciate your time, and I will see you down the road. Thanks, man. Have a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jason. Uh, like I said, he's a cool dude. He's in the best shape of his life. Uh, I don't know if you're watching the video for him, but he is a good-looking man, too. That thick beard and long, luscious hair. 
my goodness, the, st- the sky is the limit for him. Uh, he, again, his uh, special comes out April 1st, available on Spotify and any and all other platforms that you can, uh, that have audio streaming uh, services. Uh, imagine Apple iTunes, that sort of thing. Um, but go check it out. If you're a comedy fan, uh, if you're, uh, well, yeah, if you're a comedy fan, just, just go check it out. It's going to be available. It's a free comedy album. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, but until, uh, until April 1st um, come back here listen to all the old episodes Um, we got some more great guests coming up for you guys in the future Um, but for now I really want to harp on the idea of going to check out Jason's new album April 1st on Spotify and all other platforms and next week we'll have another great guest for you guys thanks a lot cheers cheers